the norm isn't necessarily the norm anymore. And, right. and okay, so now we got a clean slate. What are we going to do? What are we going to, what are we going to build? How are we going to build it? What are we going to, you know? And so that to me is as, you know, as a dreamer, I, that's great. I, I love that I love stuff. It. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, swinging by and checking out TLC Presents Toddversations. We are really, really thrilled with our guest today. Please, everybody, give it up for Mark Friedman, head of global food at LinkedIn. Welcome, Mark. Hey, how's it going, Todd? Doing good today. I'm thrilled that you're here joining me. I, I'm really excited. You know, I, I say all the time, I, I compare my excitement to a lot of different things. And this, I'm going to put there right up there with the spider monkey, you know, on Mountain Dew, as far as my excitement level goes, because I think this is going to be a fabulous conversation. I'm, I'm getting to know you a little bit and getting into your background and who you are. There's, I feel like we're going to have a conversation about some pretty cool stuff today. So I've got a laundry list of questions and uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. And we're going to rock and roll and have fun. So again, welcome and appreciate you being here. Sure. Sure. Glad to be here, man. Cool. All right. Let's, you ready to go, man? I'm going to fire them up. Let's do, let's do it. Let's do it. So give us a little bit of your background. You know, you're the head of global food at LinkedIn. So share your background and kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. And, and I'll maybe take you through a little bit of my journey. Right. So absolutely. I started way back when I was in high school, uh, washing dishes. Right. A lot of people in our industry uh, do that. Right. But I got somehow I got this food bug in my in my blood and, you know, managed restaurants uh, for a few years. Um you know, got into, I don't know, healthy food. I worked in a health food restaurant again when I was in college and that sort of thing. And, and uh, went to uh, Washington State University uh, in a hotel and restaurant Cougars. program. Go Cougars. Cougs. And, uh, and spent some time there, uh, you know, and, and, and then I, it, kind of an interesting thing happened is, is that I decided I was going to get rich making pizzas, right? So I dropped out of school. I went to a pizza place. I was, you know, I was going to be a manager, going to be a district manager. I was going to own the company, blah, blah, blah. Well, <clears throat> that never happened. Right. So, uh, so I went back to school uh, and finished my degree at the Evergreen State College in Olympia. Go Gooey Ducks. Go. And, um, Not the most popular uh, mascot, by the way, right up there with banana slugs. It's just not right there in the most popular choices. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, just like what happens with pretty much all college kids, it's like, oh, crap, I, I graduated. Now, what am I going to do? Right. So so yeah. I went um, I actually went down to the college food service and and because food is what I know and what I liked and whatnot. So I ended up um, going with a company called Saga Food Service, uh, a, a contractor. And I uh, spent, I don't know, probably 20 years um feeding college kids, right? So I bounced all over the US, uh, different locations here. I'm, you know, I'm based out of Seattle. So I'm, uh, I spent some time in Washington, in Seattle, in Salt Lake, and in, uh, you know, kind of different places. Billings, Montana got me, you know, around. But yeah. anyway, feeding, feeding college kids. Um, and then, you know, as life happens, you decide that you maybe don't want to work the 18 hour days and that sort of thing. And so I looked at, at corporate food service and so I mm -hmm. thought, wow, you know, five days a week, Monday through Friday, no nights, no weekends, you know, home on Mother's Day, all that kind of stuff. And so I jumped to the corporate world and 
and fed um, corporate America, American Express, you know, different bounce again, bounced around a little bit. And then uh, and then ended up in Corvallis, Oregon um, at Hewlett Packard. And go and, Beavs. Yeah, there you go. And uh, and so, you know, I was feeding the, the people, the, the, a plant of about 7000 people, I guess, in, in Corvallis. And then um, and then they they said, you know, why don't you jump ship and become an HP employee instead of a contractor? And I said, oh, OK, let's try this. You know, I don't have to deal with, you know, with uh, cashiers not showing up for work or chefs throwing knives and you know all the things that happen. And so I jumped ship, uh, joined HP as a client, uh, you know, got into the kind of global space with HP. So I got to travel the world a little bit and then uh and then left HP, went to uh, a small kind of a consulting firm out of Baltimore mm-hmm. uh, for a little while. Again, kind of back into the college world, um, realized that consulting is not my gig. And and uh, and then, you know, this this dream job came up at, at Microsoft. And so I, I went to Microsoft as the head of global food and and. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where I, I, I walked in the door and uh, I thought, God, this this is, you know, one of the premier jobs in the industry. And and I'll just put my feet on the desk and kind of sit back and watch this thing happen. Right. Well, it wasn't like that. You know, we were we were in a huge growth mode. We were, you know, sure. we, there was a lot of things going on. And so it, I spent probably the first couple of years just kind of getting things straightened out um, and and really working on the program. And then after that, you know, we got into all the fun stuff. And I'm sure that we'll talk about a little bit of that um, here coming up. But anyway, spent 13 years at Microsoft and then, you know, I had this kind of bug about retiring. And so I said, okay, let's retire. And I, I, you know, I was retired for about four hours before then I, I jumped over to Ford Motor Company and Ford was kind of an interesting place because we did some, uh, you know, we did the, uh, you know, the auto industry is kind of becoming a, I don't know, a, a uh, digital company, if you will. And, And because everything, everything is digital. And so they were looking about how to tra- attract and retain the best and the brightest digital worker into their organization. And food is right. one of those things that, that you do with that, right? So, so I went to Ford for a couple of years, uh, you know, the COVID hit and kind of everything in the auto industry and every place else shut down. And so I thought, well, maybe it's time to retire again, right? So, so <laughs> okay, I did, right? And this time I, I actually retired for, I don't know, probably two months. And I think, I think I really don't understand the concept of retirement because I love working. I love the industry. I love what, you know, what I'm doing. And so, and so this job at LinkedIn came up and, and I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a shot. It's, it's my comfort zone. It's what I like. It's what I enjoy doing. And so, right. um, you know, I've been at LinkedIn for now, oh, probably, I don't know, two, well, three months, four months, something like that. Um, just kind of getting past the acronyms and meeting people and face-to-face and, you know, all the things that go along with that. So that's, that's a bit, you know, kind of a small bit yeah. of my journey, but um, it's been a fun one, right? Well, no, yeah. Well, no, well, you know, it's one of the things you said, I thought that was really cool is that this was this space, this idea, this, you know, going down the trail of the food world, hit you very, very early. You know, your path was kind of thrown in front of you and you leaned into it. Uh, you know, sorry about the pizza thing didn't work out, but you know, I'm guessing that might've been a 50-50 anyways. Um, 
I think it worked out okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think I somehow I think when you have a trajectory that uses the word district manager as a leaping board, I don't know, maybe that's going to slow you down a touch. Yeah. But the uh, you know, but to have that um, inspiration carry you through and drive those decision forwards, obviously, it's put you in the position that you are today. And and retiring and unretiring has put you in the position that you are today. And you're right, you're not really good at retiring. Just I'm not trying to be critical, but you're over two, I think, I in the concept of retirement. Done. I think I'm done but, retiring. <laughs> well, just just kind of briefly, what what is your responsibility as you know head of global food like you are now with LinkedIn? Yeah. So uh, again, it, it's a global position. LinkedIn has has um, sites all over the world. Um, majority of it, I think. Well, actually, they they work out to be about I don't know thirteen or fourteen sites in all regions. So we have. You know the the U.S. obviously what we sure. call America, and then and then we have APAC, which again there's I think about twelve or thirteen sites there, and then um, and then in EMEA, you know Europe, Asia or Europe that we've got again another another bunch of locations there, um, and you know LinkedIn is is um, I mean the, the the food program is phenomenal. Uh, it happens to be 100% subsidized, and so we we put food in every one of our locations, every one of our offices. We have some sort of food options, you know. And and in some some places, it, there's a small number of people, and we may just do you know snacks and bring food in. Other locations like the South Bay, we you know we have a headquarters and we have multiple cafes and and uh, catering and you know everything that kind of events and things that go along with with the food program there so so you know my i don't know we're serving probably before covid we were serving you know eight to ten million meals annually and you know again we got a, we got 30 locations across the world so um and we're growing right i mean and so there's For sure there's different pieces of of that uh, coming up in in the, the way of design and construction of buildings and and uh, in cafes in the buildings or food locations in the buildings and so I get involved a lot in the you know in the design and construction world as well as you know contracts so we um, you know we contract with food service providers there's no LinkedIn employees that theoretically feed our employees, it's all contracted out. So I, de I deal a lot with, you know, global and regional contracts um, to make sure that we have the right provider in the, in the right location and, and uh, you know, have the, the best food on the planet for our employees. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a comprehensive job. And like I said, right now, I'm, I'm also working on, um, you know, designing strategies to, you know, take this thing into the future and, and understand what our growth pattern is going to be and, and uh, you know, really kind of play in that space. And like I say, yeah. I'm, I'm just getting past the, the acronym stage and, the, you know, getting to know people and, and putting faces with names and, you know, who, who I need to, you know, understand deeper and who, you know, I'm right. just, uh, trying to be a part of stuff. So. Well, yeah, well, you get in the acronym space. I mean, I always talk about acronym scrabble, right? You get, especially, especially in the government, acronym, it's crazy. What, yeah. thinking about, thinking about Mark, you know, the, the future pizza entrepreneur, um, and then thinking about, you know, Mark today and, you know, working with global companies like Microsoft and Ford, and I'm sure probably Microsoft helps you inside of LinkedIn a little bit because you kind of, there's that similarity there. And yeah. you know, so thinking about Microsoft, Ford, and LinkedIn, how has, Pizza Mark been shaped by Global Mark, as far as what your thinking was back then, because that belief system still got to be in your heart, right? It's still got to believe 
you, that's still that, that young guy that was looking at pizza still has got to be inside you coming out today in some ways. So how has it shaped you or fostered your ideas? This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by the Organic Grower Summit. Join us December 1st and 2nd in beautiful Monterey, California. Organic Grower Summit. Connecting organic growers and producers with supply chain and service providers. Learn more at OrganicGrowerSummit.com. Yeah, you know, again, I, I think as when you're young and building a career, you're worried, you know, you're you're focused on your skill set and you know, sure. kind of what you know, what you got in your bag of tricks, what I call bag of tricks, right? But but um, you know, as you progress through your career, you you start to, you know, gain what I what I consider to be wisdom, if you will, and how how things happen and how they don't happen. And you know, I mean, in any career, you have your ups and downs, and and kind of the way that I look at it is, is that you know, when when you have something that you know maybe doesn't go the way you wanted it to go, you take that as a learning because you know sure. you're going to use it in your future, right? And so now, I'm at that point where I'm using that wisdom, if you will, to be able to start to understand how you know how things work and how we can better improve and how how can we maneuver, you know, the workspace and. I still have that passion for food. Um, and, you know, it, it, and it is, as, as we were, you know, kind of talking earlier with regard to the, the, the excitement of this industry, it, it never, it never stops. Right. I mean, you, 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 you're in the day and things happen and, you know, then you go to the next day and it's never the same as what you were doing. And it's never the same as what you were doing in the past. Right. So, right. So, you know, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's changing. It's always changing. I like change, uh, you know, and again, at Microsoft and, and Ford too, Ford was going through a huge change and, and, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just a constant. And so I got, I, I really kind of got, you know, interested in change and understanding change and how you deal with change. Right. Be, but because I, I, you know, when you make decisions, in some companies, you you think that a decision is going to be for the next thirty years, and and I learned really fast at Microsoft that it wasn't, and and they have what they call the growth mentality there, and it's it's about you know making decisions fast, maybe with not all of the data that you think you're going to need, and testing it, and you know I kind right. of look at this, you know you're jumping out of an airplane and figuring out the parachute on the way down, right, but. That's the exciting part. It's exciting. You get a rush and, and, you know, and then you, you either, you either hit it or you fail. And if you fail, fail fast to move on, you know, just go to the next change, go to the next change, go to the next change. And for me, I mean, that's a, a lot of that is the food industry, right? When I was working right. in the kitchen, it was always, oh my God, you know, we're out of coffee or, or, or the dishes are piling up. Who's going to do that? You know, I mean, there's always this energy that seems to go and, and that kind of stuff really, you know, really drives me. And, and I'm, you know, like I say, I'm been, I, I can't seem to retire. So it's going to drive me forever. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, you could try going, I mean, it'd be really awful to go over three on retirement. I think if you're going to get into the last, the third one, you got to stick to it. You got to get committed. You know, you said something about, you know, and I love that expression about jumping out of plane and figuring out the parachute on the way down. Right. Again, another expression somebody's taught me is like, you know, people try to boil the ocean instead of a cup of water. Right. Yeah. So real quickly, you know, you're in this role, you're working from home because the world's basically shut down. COVID hits. It's got to be. A, it, I mean, it has to be some level of frustration. It has to be a little bit crazy. You're trying to figure it out. 
And you're not trying to figure out like a location down the block. You're figuring out a global strategy and what's going on around. Because what do you think? What do you have like 31 or whatever the number is? Global cafeterias and global food outlets around the world. I mean, it's nuts. So how is that for you? Especially because I mean, you're you're a food guy, so you're hands on, right? I, I mean, anybody in the food business is pretty much hands on. I think right. it's part of the DNA. So how was that for you dealing with that? Well, you know. I mean, again, I, I kind of take it back to Microsoft a little bit. And yeah, I, um, you know, when I was working at Microsoft, I spent, I don't know, maybe three days a week in, in the, at the facilities. Right. And, and again, this is, they're all global jobs. So, you know, pretty much you're, you're on an airplane in a hotel and then you're in a cafe. Right. And, and I get my energy from being in the cafe. I, I just, I, I just like to sit there and kind of watch, uh, watch what customers do. You know, they smile, they don't smile. You kind of get a feel for what they're up to. And so that's my energy space. And so you're right. When, you know, when COVID hit, it, it was a hundred percent here and I couldn't travel. I couldn't, you know, couldn't get out and do around and, and I wasn't that familiar with, you know, Zoom and Teams and all these other things, right? But but um, you get used to it and you get to kind of start to figure it out. And and again, to me, it's not the best way to, to manage. And fortunately, in, in the, you know, the past couple of weeks, I was able to travel for the first time in, you know, 17 months or whatever it was. And and it was amazing for me just to see the, you know, to get back in the energy of the cafe, get, you know, understand what's going on. And, and again, look at people. I watch people a lot because they tell right. you a lot, you know, and, and uh, they, they, you know, they, if you talk to them, they will share anything and everything about the food. People are passionate about food and, and everybody's got an opinion, right? So, so you try and play to that. And, and so it's, you know, it's been good to get back out and, you know, again, I'm going to be traveling in another couple of weeks. And so that's going to be good. And then, of course, hopefully the world will open up and then I'll be able to go see some of the, you know, sites in Dublin or Singapore or Beijing or, you know, wherever those kinds of places get to, you know, get to open up. But but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's a bit of a challenge, but I mean, it's just like everything else. You work through it and and you figure it out. You know, it's just one another one of those kind of hurdles that that you look at and and get figured out. Well, yeah, and there's no doubt. I mean, it certainly is. Uh, there's no playbook for what we're dealing with right now. And that you know, being somebody that traveled tremendously in 2020, I mean, I think about it that I put, I flew 75,000 miles and spent 70 hotel nights in 2020. Never got sick, but. It's a different world out there in the travel space. There's no, yeah, very lucky. It's a different world out there in the travel space. Yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. So when you're just briefly a little bit, just to kind of a, a frame up of people's understanding, you know, there's got to be a lot of boxes that you need to check off when it comes to scaling dining like you do and, and, and working in that corporate world, whether it's taste or it's visual you know, things like that. How much does that play into some of your thinking? And I know you're a big science behind the meal guy. I know you're, you know, I'm going to get into that with you in a little bit. I got a whole series of questions for those, but you know, how much does that really play in to making those decisions for your, and I mean, what do you, what do you call people that, that dine? I don't want to say it the right way. Are they your clients? Are they your customers? What do you yeah, call people customers. that are inside? Yeah. yeah customers, the, you know, the end user, the employee, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I talked about it a little bit earlier. I mean, it's just it's this idea of listening to what they're up to and trying to understand what they're doing. You know, I, I'm I'm deeply involved in the industry as a whole. And so, you sure. know, I reach out to colleagues and 
and try and understand what, you know, what's the next greatest thing. And, and to be honest with you, I pay a lot of attention to the college and university world. You know, I lived there for a while and, and I, I understand it, but I have a lot of colleagues that are, you know, that are in that world. And, you know, those, those uh, students that are there are going to be my customers in, you know, four years or less. Right. And sure. so, and so I need to understand what it is that they're what it is they're up to, and and so that I can and and I I tease them all the time. I don't want to just you know meet what they're doing in the college and universities. I want to I want to exceed it. I want to be better than what the college and universities are doing. And so you can't do that unless you pay attention to what's going on there. So so yeah, I mean it's it you know it's it's um, it's just listening and and kind of keeping tabs on what's going on. I mean. In a couple of other instances, I'm I'm now connected to the hospital world. I mean, during COVID, I was at Ford, and and the hospital world was kicking on all cylinders because that's where all the action was, right? And so, right. so I started to pay attention to what was going on there. And I mean, one of the things that we brought into Ford, which was never heard of before, was groceries. Right? We put groceries in the facility in one of our buildings because the workers there who, you know, the essential workers that had to come to work had no, they were afraid to go to the grocery store. Grocery store. So, yeah. And so we, we put some groceries in and that's exactly what the call or the hospital world was doing at the time because they had the same problem, right? So, you know, I reach out into the industry and, and stay tuned to the industry because, you know, that's the world, right? And, and, and there's some great, great ideas of things that are going on in the industry when you start to pay attention and talk to the, you know your colleagues and, and right. all that, so yeah, I mean, I guess that's the kind of the crux of that, right? Yeah. Well, no. I, I, well, look, you're feeding a diverse group of people because you're feed, you know you have a global audience every day, and you have an that's audience right. right. You know. So how do you deal with kind of those eating habits or those practices? Because I mean, yeah. you have religious food restrictions, probably. You have yeah. allergy people. You have regional taste. Yeah. yeah. How do you? I mean, how do you? How do you kind of balance that? Uh, yeah, well, and again, as I said earlier, I, I do all this through the help of our providers, right? So we have right. the compasses and the Aramarks and the Sodexos that are out there. And, and you know, I rely on them a lot to handle the, you know, the kind of nuances of that. Um, but again, I, I, I um, you know, it's interesting because I, I keep coming back to the customer. I want to listen to the customer, right? And, sure. and it was interesting because... Obviously, you know, my generation, the boomer generation, uh, I, I look through my boomer eyes and I see, you know, I see things and, and it doesn't necessarily match the Gen X, Gen Z, Gen Y kind of a group, right? Or the right. right? And so I, um, I realized this kind of early on at Microsoft and I thought, you know, how, how can I make decisions without including that group of people in there? And so I created this kind of focus group with millennials and I and and our team would go in and kind of pitch what we were thinking about and uh, and see what their reaction was get their feedback, get their input. Right. And, you know, in the first I don't know, the first few meetings, everything was pretty quiet and they were you know, they were kind of nervous about, you know, this old guy in the room and what's he thinking and all this kind of stuff. Right. But. But as we got deeper into it, they really opened up and they started to share some things that, you know, kind of, why are you doing it this way? Or what's up with this? Or what's up with that, right? And, and so we started to shift our program. And I mean, a classic example of that was, 
um, you know, the, the, the millennials and, and pretty much everybody now is, is concerned about the planet. They, they, they are right. totally concerned about the planet. And, and so, you know, we, we started to explore that a little bit. And, and one of the things that we explored, I, I said, okay, so what is it, what, what food do you want to see on our menu? Right. And they, they kind of got in the corner and they talked about it a little bit and they, <laughs> they came back and they said, well, you know, we think that um, insects or crickets might be an option, right? And interestingly enough, at our baseball stadium, um, some, you know, they had put in uh, this menu item of crickets, you know, and, yeah. and I, I get it when you're, you know, six beers in and watching a baseball game, you go, you know, you go eat crickets, but I couldn't <laughs> see it on our menu. I'm going to say it's more than six. Yeah. Well, and, but what happened was, is that, is that I said, okay, let's, let's test this. Let's try this a little bit and see what happens. Right. And so they initiated this, this day that we would go into the dining room and we walk around in our dining room and, and, and have these little cups of crickets to be able to, you know, test or try. And it was volunteer. I mean, we just put them in front and said, Hey, you like to try crickets. Yeah. It was phenomenal what happened, right? And again, I say I like to watch the customer, but what happened was is that all the boomers stepped back. They go, Oh my God, I, I you know, what are you talking, what are you doing to my food program? Blah, 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 blah. Right. <laughs> all the millennials leaned in, right? Yeah. And they said, Yeah, I want to do this. And not only did they lean in, but they got on their phones and they told their friends upstairs they're serving crickets in the dining room. And we had this mass of people come down because of what we were doing. Yeah. And, and the reason that it was important to them is because a cricket only absorbs the water from the food that it eats. So right. there's no impact on the planet from a water standpoint that a, you know, a cow, a chicken or a pig would have. Right. Right. And so that was their that was their initiative, and that's the way they were promoting it. And, and again, it was all about you know saving the planet, and so that's what was attractive. Now, I was still a little nervous about putting those on the menu, but and and again, I as I, as I was kind of phasing out of Microsoft, they were talking about what they were doing. So I'm not sure they're still they're still there, but it it was it was interesting for me just to you know again listen to that to that age group, and you know right. I take. I took that to Ford and, and, and got them engaged and started to learn more about that and, and doing the kind of the same thing at, at LinkedIn. I mean, it's young people and they're curious. They're, they, they have initiatives that they're, they're very, very concerned about. And so if I, can, if I can meet those needs or if I can you know, enhance what it is that they're, they're caring about, then yeah, let's, let's go for it. So you know, it, it involves food, but it's also this kind of social thing that's, that's starting to develop that, that sure. we definitely got to pay attention to, you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the, the sustainability initiative is huge and it, it was a Microsoft, it was a Ford and it also here at LinkedIn. And that, and that takes you into, you know, some really wild places with regard to, you know, I don't know, growing and, and all kinds Good. of things, right. With sustainability and, and uh, you know, and again, during the COVID piece of it, we, we struggled with, um, you know, packaging, we, the sustainability thing kind of took a, a back seat for a little while, but it was still there. Um, and now, it, you know, the sustainability thing is back. We're not using um, re, um, recyclable or compostable 
uh, containers anymore. We're using plates, you know, so we can re reuse them. And, and so those are the kinds of things that we're, you know, really kind of focused in on right now. I love it. Well, in all fairness, crickets aren't bad. They're really not. I know? still didn't get there. I just yeah, I know, but they're not. They're really not. I mean, you know, people are to your point. It's like I can see people leaning out and some people leaning in. But, you know, there's worse things. I'm not. Hey, but, they're not. They're, you know, you're, you're not going to open up a $200 bottle of wine and eat crickets, but nonetheless, they're, you know, they're, but maybe you do open up a big bottle maybe of wine. You do, maybe. I don't know. You know what? Let me, I'm going to retract that statement and say, let's go find out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come up. We'll do crickets. I'll bring the wine. You do the crickets. I'm, in. I'm done. In. You, but, you know, I love what you said. And I think this is such an important point that corporate America and people need to start to embrace is that this, this generation coming up is all about the planet in a lot of ways and making conscientious choices. And one of those things I think is really, really important about that too, is when we start getting into, and I'm gonna drive us into some sustainability and technology after this one, but you know, is locally sourced food, right? We know the data supports that people that support local food drive a better economy into their local system. Yeah. You know, food miles. I mean, we can, we, you know, all the, all the buzzwords we can put to that. How's local food, impacted you and, and, and doesn't impact some of your thinking about what you're doing in the future? Yeah, yeah, we're all about local food. Um, <clears throat> you know, from a, I don't know, from a produce standpoint, if you will, uh, and, a, and a supply chain piece of it, but also, um, you know, local restaurants and, and local, you know, local establishments, if you will. <clears throat> a couple things on that is that, you know, I think COVID, COVID opened up a lot of people's eyes about local and, and uh, you know, some of the initiatives that we're thinking about is how we can support the local restaurants and how we can support the local, you know, the local farmers. But prior to COVID, you know, I, again, I, I brought in a lot of things at Microsoft kind of before their time. Um, right. The local initiatives and also, um, you know, these, um, uh, I, you know, I don't know, undesirable produce that that is not, uh, you know, sellable in a grocery store, if you will, or something like that. Right. Um, we were kind of spearheading that that whole thing. And um, and, uh, you know, we had some fun with that. But but um, yeah, I mean, the um, I think the I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Oh no, you know, just about the local side of things. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So being in the moment, yeah. Yeah. So we we deeply got into it. We started to really focus on the local the local farms, the local farmers, and that sort of thing. And and it didn't it didn't always play well with our suppliers. Our suppliers, you know, wanted to you know deal with the large um, farms and and that sort of thing. And so it was a bit of a twist with them to, you know, to, to get over that, if you will, and be able to start to support the local farmers. And, you know, so we, we looked at, you know, we looked at a lot of different things um, and, and totally, totally got into it. I, you know, again, at, it. at Microsoft, we were, as you might imagine, trying to digitize everything and trying to, you know, put, put digital things into everything. And so we were talking to farmers about how they could better their produce and how we could, you know, how how we could kind of work with them to be able to um, to support their industries, if you right. will. And you know, and it took it. it took us into a lot of different places. I mean, and, and we may get into this later, but one of the initiatives that we had at Microsoft was um, was um, it, 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 so it, it was to 
to reduce it, it really was a, um, a method to reduce food waste, right? But right. we started to get into predictive analytics. And so we were taking the data off of our cash registers, um, putting it with a Microsoft product called Power BI and, and Azure in the cloud. Um, we were putting all this data in um, and then we started to pull different data sources. So we, we pulled weather and we pulled traffic and we pulled moon phases and we pulled all these kinds of different data sources into wow. this algorithm, if you will. And it started to pump out some really cool information. Um, one was, you know, we, we could start to predict based on the conditions, if you will, of how many people would come into our cafe tomorrow, right? And, and again, this is all around food waste. So if we could predict, and we were predicting, you know, within, I don't know, 96% accuracy rate, how many people would come into our cafe tomorrow? And we were getting it to a point where we could predict what they were gonna eat. And so then we would prepare the food um, that we knew people were going to consume. And, and, and we took that then, okay, you know, 30 days out, we could predict within a 94% accuracy rate. Six months out, we could start to predict how many tomatoes we were going to need in six months or how many, you know, so we started to then start to play with the growers and understand that we could, we could guarantee them that we were going to buy their tomatoes or whatever it was because we knew we were going to sell them on a particular day, right? And so then the farmer could plant for us what we wanted and what we needed, or, you know, again, it, it gets really complicated, but those are sure. the kinds of things that we were, those are the kinds of things that we were trying to do with the supply chain, if you will, to understand it. And, you know, and, and again, I was working with a team at Microsoft that eventually it became a product of Microsoft. Microsoft has a product now called FarmBeats and FarmBeats is putting IoT devices out into a field um, to be able to track data, you know, land data, weather data, you know, plant data, all that sorts of things. Right. Um, and, and it's in a farm situation, it's hard to transmit data over distances, right? And so the, the FarmBeats team actually worked out some, some really cool um, technology to be able to transmit data on a, uh, a TV band spectrum of, of data shipping, if you will. And now uh, they're starting to implement this and starting to get you know, this data off of the, the farm and the, and, the, and the air and whatever else. Um, right to be able to help the farmers. And the farmers now can monitor their, their farm actually on a phone if, if they need to or on a surface tablet, right? And then, and then the farm starts telling you things because of the data that they're collecting off of these sensors that are you know, out there. So you know, that's, I, I guess, a, a bit of kind of deep dive into what I, the yeah. kind of stuff that I was getting into. And, and I know, I think, you know, we, we we're probably going to get into the, the bison thing, but maybe Absolutely. now time to do it because what happened was is that with all this data collection that was happening in the fields, um, I, I actually kind of connected with the National Bison Association because a bison is a roaming animal. And right. what we were interested in is tracking the bison to help the bison ranchers, if you will. And so, you know, I went to, um, I, 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 and a couple of data scientists, it wasn't me really, I was just kind of the food guy, but, but a lot of smart people went along and we did a presentation at the National Bison Association. And, 
and started to talk a little bit about how we could help them manage their herds because a bison, again, it's a roaming animal. When, anytime you bring them together, they, they, they are very nervous. Their, their adrenaline goes up. And so anytime you can, you can uh, not have to bring them together or not have to herd them, they're more comfortable. And so we right. were working with them to try and be able to do that. And then, you know, of course, the bison ranchers, they were kind of playing with us a little bit. But what they said, you know, is the best way that you could um, really understand the bison is to own one, right? And so <laughs> at the now. end of the conference, at the end of the conference, we went to the bison auction. And, uh, you know, it, and it was funny because I was the guy from Microsoft sitting in the crowd and everybody kind of knew that I was the Microsoft guy. And so when it came to raising paddles, everybody stopped raising their paddles and I ended up getting a couple bison, right? So Buffy, we got Buffy and Lola. Buffy and Lola are in Colorado. I'm an absentee owner. I've got a, a rancher there that takes care of them. And, and I'm a proud grandpa now that Buffy and Lola have had babies and, and uh, you know, we're, we're growing the herd, right? But, um, but anyway, it's kind of funny how that all goes. And, and again, I'm concerned just like the millennials about, about the planet. And so Buffy and Lola are part of a land management group called the Savory Institute. And so they're out trying to, you know, make sure that land management is being taken care of and, right. and the bison are moving in the pastures the way they should and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a fun thing to do, but um, anyway, it's, it's, you know, that, unique thing that, that, but it's, it, to me, it's all about just, you know, kind of listening and understanding and be curious about your career and what you're doing in your career. Sure. It'll take you in, in just a whole bunch of different directions, right? Well, we never know what our path is, right? I, I say it all the time. We walk on a path and we choose certain days to go left, certain days to go right, certain days we, we yep. question our path. We wonder why this is happening. But the most important thing is, is that we keep going down that path because you just don't know what that next step is going to bring you. Exactly. I love the fact that, you, that you, know, it, you really exemplified, I think, what maybe a lot of people sit there and go, oh, what does data really mean? And you've really framed it up, you know, specifically around working with farmers, how important data has become. The, be the, the more we understand, the more we can make positive changes. You know, yeah. whether we're working to save the planet, whether we're working to make better food, whether we're making a widget, right? Data is such an important part of what we're doing. And I know that data is a major part of sustainability and that technology that's around there. And one of the things that I thought was really, really cool that you've done, and I'd like for you to share a little bit, you know, specifically using, um, you know, how we've applied, you know, sustainability and technology together, but how have you applied that in the work you're doing? But one of the areas I thought was really cool that you're looking at is how to apply technology directly to your customers on a daily basis. And one of the ones I want to talk about, or you can kind of share a little bit, is your Bluetooth beacon concept that you're working on. And I'd like to you know, lean into that one. I have another question in regards to that as well, but I'll let you first tell everybody what that means. Yeah, so so just for everybody, Bluetooth beacons are are these little IoT devices that we put we put them as people were entering the cafe and also under the counter of the cafe and and uh, what it does is that it you, it's a voluntary thing. You sign up for an app and and then when you walk into a cafe, uh, Bluetooth hits your phone and tells you things. Right? We were working. Right. With we were working with a small startup out of um, the Bay Area at the time that was doing some things with menus and um, and they, you know, they had doctors and, you know, a lot of nutritionists and whatever. And they would figure out a, 
a menu plan for you personally, right? And then we would um, we would put we would put menu items out onto the, our counters, and people would walk through the door, and the Bluetooth beacon would hit your phone and say, you know, have the salad bar today. Don't go to the French fries. So there was this this mental thing that was going on with with the Bluetooth beacon. Now what we did is we took that a bit of a step further, which we always did was. When you walked up to the counter, a Bluetooth beacon would hit your phone and it would tell you, you know, maybe it was a salmon dinner. It would tell you the calories, the carbs, the proteins, the salt, the whatever, and a lot of information about that food. But the other thing that it would do was it, there was a there was a, 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 you know, a link, if you will, to a video and the video would be of of a chef who's right across the table from you. Um, helping harvest the salmon that you're actually eating on the counter, you know, that's, that you're picking up on the counter. The customer in our case really wanted to know the transparency of the food, where it came from, how was, right. how was raised on that sort of thing. And so we played to that. And so, you know, every year uh, there's a salmon hatchery up, up uh, well, it's, it's live salmon, it's fresh, uh, a wild salmon. And we would go up there and they would harvest the salmon and we would we would have our chefs actually help harvest the salmon right and mm -hmm. and it was it was um it was a, it was a great program but then again what it did is it really started to connect the customer with the food and understand the food so we used data in that sense to be able to you know to educate and and for me you know, data, data is, is, uh, is, and it's becoming more and more and more this idea of it's kind of a behind the scenes thing that's happening that gives you value in the moment, right? I mean, Amazon to me is, is, is phenomenal at this. Every time I order something from Amazon, you know, it shows up on Facebook or it, or they're telling me that, you know, these many people bought the same product and I should buy it. And, you know, all, all this kind of stuff that happens in sure. the background, but it becomes a value to me, right? And so to me, data needs to happen, if you will, in the background around, around those kinds of things so that we, you know, we, it, you know, Alexa, turn on the TV or whatever. I, I, it's those kinds of things that I really started to focus in on and how we do that with food, right? So, right. so um, those are the kinds of things that we're thinking about. And, and again, I think there's a lot of ways to go with, with data and being able to support a food program. Um, For sure. We're doing, we were thinking, well, we weren't thinking, we were putting in infrastructure to be able to do things with heat maps. So in a corporate cafeteria, you know, it seems like everybody comes down at noon and wants to eat, right? And so what we were doing is heat maps on the phone. So a, a customer, a, an employee could see, oh, okay, it's really busy at the grill or it's really busy at the salad bar. It's really busy at the Indian station. And so maybe I'll wait 15 minutes before it comes, you know, before it starts to clear out or whatever, or it's saying, they must really have something great at the Indian station today. I have to get down there and get it, right? I mean, so, it's gone. but it's still, it's data. It's data that helps support decision-making when it comes to food, right? So right those, again, those are some of the things that we were, that we were kind of getting into. Well, and it's fascinating to me because I think that this, you know, what you've just shared is something that I believe is going to be the future of retail in a lot of ways huh. because people do, people want to know. And one of the things that you've done that I think is super, super cool is, is that you've got TV screens up where you're actually sharing and talking about the carbon footprint of what's going on. 
you know, back to the generation who wants to know what's going on to the planet. I mean, you can get down to that level of really saying, hey, this salmon is, here's the carbon footprint for the salmon. Here's what it is. So people, you know, because the only way I think we're going to make a lot of changes in this world at this point on issues is by voting with our dollars, right? And voting with a little bit of conscience. So that's something I think is really, really cool. And, And so if I'm correct, you've got these TV monitors up that are actually educating people throughout the dining process. This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by the Organic Grower Summit. Join us December 1st and 2nd in beautiful Monterey, California. Organic Grower Summit, connecting organic growers and producers with supply chain and service providers. Learn more at organicgrowersummit.com. Yeah, we well, so we're, we're we're not quite there yet, but again, right. it's a bit of a dream, and and I think it's 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 a dream that's it's, I've seen it. It's very possible. Um, I had the opportunity in 2015 to go to the World Expo in Milan, and the World Expo at that point in time was based on um, feeding the world in in 2050 when there's going to be right. 10 billion people on the planet, and and the USA Pavilion, which which I, I actually got an opportunity to speak at was um was displaying food growing on the side of a wall and and the food would turn towards the sun right so get right. more sun and and all that sort of thing right but but what one of the cool things that i really got to see there was this and it was being proposed as a grocery store of the future right but it was just what you were talking about it's it i i walked in and 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 when you walk in the store knows you the store knows whether you're a buyer or you're a looker, because it's tapping into your buying habits, maybe on your phone or something. Again, data. It's a little bit scary about what's going on there, and 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 it was in its infancy in 2015, but it's, sure. it's obviously developed more than that now. But anyway, I would walk down this, these grocery store aisles and I'd touch a bottle of wine, and up on the screen would pop the whole story about the wine, including the carbon footprint and how far away it was and all these kinds of things, right? And it was it was really interesting because if I was a buyer and I touched that wine, a human would come over and engage with me and tell me even more of the story, right? So so now the store was was interacting with the humans to be able to sell things to me. Those are the kinds of things that I picked up, you know, at that, and I got, it was a world of, of, of learning that's going on at that World Expo. I picked up a ton of stuff oh, I that I could bring back, right? And it's still in my head, right? But anyway, that was one of the things that, that you know, really struck me. And now with, with, you know, the positions that I've had to be able to start to incorporate that into what we're doing and, and carbon footprint, and it's, it's starting to get, get, easier or, or more comp more, more, I don't know, figured out if you will, but. I think they're explaining it better now. Well, but it's hard. It's hard because you know, you, you, if we buy a tomato from California, we buy a tomato from Chile or we buy a tomato from Washington, it has a different footprint, right? Sometimes when, you know, when, when you're trying to tell the customer what the carbon footprint is, you're constantly changing because the supply chain is different in different times of the of the of the right. seasons, right? And so again, I've kind of I've been kind of thinking about that and trying to work with that. We're um, 
you know, I, I pitched I pitched this idea at Microsoft. I pitched it at Ford, and I'm pitching it now at at uh, LinkedIn. Is is having our own greenhouse, right? So now we know Whoa. the carbon footprint of that tomato because we're growing it, and it's right outside. And the carbon footprint is is feet instead of thousands of miles, right? And so, and so those are the kinds of things that I've been thinking about, and and being able to do that, and and then, you know, also, I guess you know, understand what greenhouses can do and how you can infuse data into them and how, you know, how robotics are starting to work. And, you know, again, I think you, you spent some time in the Netherlands. I also spent some time in the Netherlands and, and, you know, they got it figured out. They're doing some really cool stuff over there. And I was working, I was actually with Microsoft, we were working, um, we have data centers over there and data centers um, um, put off a lot of heat as a waste. Right. And so, and so I was saying, okay, how, 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 what can we do with this heat, right? Well, right across the street from our data center was a greenhouse. So why not pump the, the air into the hot air into the greenhouse and now reuse it again, if you will. And then I got to thinking, okay, when you're generating electricity, what's a waste? A waste of CO2, right? So now right. plants love CO2. So why not take the CO2 off the data center and pump it in there now? You know, humans work in those in those in those greenhouses, and so humans and CO two don't necessarily get along. And so now you you think about robotics and putting robots into those greenhouses, and so it just kind of starts to play and play and play as you try and start to figure this out. But it really all has to do with, to me, the carbon footprint and reducing the carbon footprint. Sure. What's going on, right? So. So again, those are the kinds of things that we can, you know, to me, we can really start to energize and think about, right? Well, yeah. And, and, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask you, and you led, you're leading me right into it, is about bringing food closer to the kitchen. And, you know, with the advancements of technology that you're seeing out here today, whether it's vertical farming, advancements in greenhouses, I mean, you know, food is literally coming to food deserts now. Um, there's greenhouses outside of the city of Dubai where they're producing fresh fruits and, you know, fresh vegetables, fresh fruits and vegetables yeah. out of these facilities, which they never could do before. Um, you know, it's just not a climate that's going to be able to work, but to be able to bring food to the people that's fresh, that's not on a plane, not on a boat. You know, I mean, I, my travels in Dubai, I'm seeing labels from people in Los Angeles on the shelves in Dubai. And while I understand that that business model is there and it's important, it's not necessarily going to be in the best interest long term in a lot of ways. So tell me a little bit more, if you will, you know, about your belief in alternative growing practices and how you feel about greenhouses and some of this technology. I mean, I know you're a tech guy. You love the data. You love all this. It's got to be right in your wheelhouse. Um, what yeah. are you seeing out there that excites you? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're stepping into my world now. I mean, it's, um, you know, like I said, when I'm when I was well, wherever I am, I, I like to understand what the customer's doing and and. Um, and listening to them, right? And so when I was at Microsoft, one of the one of the things that the customer kept bringing to me is, why don't we grow our own food? Why don't we grow food on our roofs, on the building of a, of right. a you know a office building? And so I started to explore that a little bit and kind of find out that it's it's difficult. It's not impossible, but it's difficult because you've got an infrastructure that you know you need a elevator to go up. You need support for the water and sure. the dirt and all that kind of stuff. So I said. I don't think buildings are going to be the way to go. They said, "Well, let's put a let's put a pea patch out, and we'll we'll take we'll volunteer to take care of the you know the lettuce and all that kind of stuff." I said, "Okay, well let's try it." Well, the minute a weed came up, 
everybody had something else to do, right? So that so they were <laughs> they were off in their own world, and so that didn't work. And I just I, you know as I go around, I you know again I try and get ideas from wherever I can. And I went to a, a flower show here in Seattle, and they were displaying one of these grow. It was a grow tower, right? And right. they were growing lettuce on this grow tower hydroponically. And I thought, oh, this is the this is this is this the holy grail, right? And so. We bought a bunch of them and put them into our cafes and, and, you know, and started to, and they were all lit up, you know, with these lights and stuff. And, and the, you know, the data scientists and all the engineers came in and said, Oh my God, this is the, you know, this is, this is something we got to do something. You know, they're taking selfies with it and doing all this kind of <laughs> stuff. Right? And, but what they did was they digitized it. Right. So what we started to do is monitor the water and the pH and the, you know, all the, the nutrients that were in the water and, and the lights and the humidity and all this kind of, so we started to pull data in from these, from these, you know, these machines. And then we started to understand the growth. So we started, we put cameras on them when we watched lettuce grow, you know, I mean, you sit back at night, midnight and watch lettuce grow. That's kind of fun. <laughs> But anyway, so so we we really started to expand this to a point where we right. we put these we put these towers. Well, the interesting thing is, is these towers is a square meter of space, right? And so right. I thought, let's put them in the office space. Let's not put them in the cafe. Let's put them in the office space because there's a square meter of space pretty much anywhere on any anywhere. Floor. Sure, you put these on there, and you think about it. There's how many floors, you know, are there in the buildings at Microsoft? And then how many floors are there in the buildings in, in Seattle or in San Francisco? Or all of a sudden your farm gets really big yeah. and it's all grown indoors with a water source that's 90 percent, you know, better than farming on the land. And, all, you know, all these things kind of start to fit. So we we pursued it a little bit and started again to connect these to the cloud. So I had them. I had them in Beijing, I had them in Tel Aviv, I had them in Sydney, I had them in, in, in Redmond here. And I was monitoring this farm from a surface tablet, right? So I knew what every tower was doing and it was telling me how things were going and how they were you know, monitoring. And so what I thought, you know, we could take this to, to grand scales and be able to feed people where the food is consumed and reduce completely the carbon footprint of it all, right? And, right? and so those, again, those are the kinds of things that that we were playing with. It was, you know, the financial model, of course, didn't work out like like it's supposed to. But you got to start somewhere. And so we were doing prototypes with stuff like that. You know, we had we had growing machines that, you know, that were that planted. You know, we had these areas where they were planting and they were they, they were taking care of the plants as they were going along and all this kind of stuff that we were just playing with, you know, but as you know, and again, this was back in 2015 when I started to see what was going on at that world expo between right. now and then, and now in just what is this six or seven years, it's like, okay, wow, look what, look where the industry has gone and look what's yeah. going on. I mean, microgreens is another thing, right? We, we bought these cabinets, went to a food show in, in Chicago and, and saw these cabinets that grow microgreens, right? And so it's like, okay, let's try this. Let's put them in. We took it to a point where we had one of our cafes that had, uh, it, it had no lettuce on the salad bar. It was completely microgreens. And we would build these concoctions of microgreens that, wow. that would, you know, that would taste like whatever you wanted it to taste like. I, I mean, again, you talk about the Netherlands. I went to a place called Klopper Crest over in, in just outside of Amsterdam. And 
And this guy is growing microgreens that taste like stuff, right? So he handed me these, these little leaves and they taste like popcorn or they taste right. like, you know, shrimp or they taste like oysters or what, you know, whatever it is. Right. He had a little cafe there and he didn't have salt and pepper on the table. He had, he had microgreens that tasted like salt and tasted like pepper, right? Pepper, I mean, yeah. it's just amazing what you can do with, with microgreens. So again, we connected them all to the cloud. We started monitoring it, the humidity, the da, 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 right? So right, right, right. it was just crazy what went on. I love it. I mean, look, ag technology is a, is a really neat thing. And, and it's something we're going to have to really start to embrace. And I think one of the big things that's happening, at least in my opinion, is that some folks take a look at technology as an and or or thing. And I think it's really an and thing um, because you know it needs to be in conjunction with what's going on because what they're right. doing is going to help here and what's help going on here is going to help there. It's how we're going to get the ball down the field. And to your point earlier, Look, these people that are going to come to this, these people are coming to this planet, whether, you know, they're here or, you know, I'm, all, I'm a big believer they're coming on the spaceships, too. Let's not make sure we understand those guys are coming, right? Don't take me there. But, Don't take me there. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, but nonetheless, it's real. And we can't run from technology because it, it not only it, it makes us look ignorant when we do, because it's going to make a big change. And I want to if I can, I want to just shift and go back to something that you brought up earlier that I, I want to touch on a little bit more detail, which you talked about food waste. And I yeah. know that you are really, really bang that drum about food waste. And I know that, and I agree wholeheartedly with your position that packaging is a part of food waste that needs to be considered overall. And I'd love for you to talk about your, your successes when it comes to food waste, because I think this is something that people need to lean into. And I think that you've done such a great job of embracing it and bringing that packaging part into the equation. Um, if you would, can you share a little bit about that? Because I don't want that to go without being addressed. Yeah. Yeah. No, food waste, food waste is a, is a big deal. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's, to me, it's so big that it, it you know, it gets, it gets, really complicated and you don't really know where to start 100 percent. Like, like i talked about you know with the predictive analytics that was that was one approach that we used um but you know again as as i kept my eyes open um the all along the supply chain there's food waste and you know from from the ground you know clear to the i don't know the store or the table or the plate if you will and so yeah. i started i started to explore that a little bit and you know like i said earlier we we um, took our chefs out to farms and and filmed them with potatoes and salmon and whatever else and and um, as we did that i started to really look at at food waste along the supply chain. You know, one of the things we went to an apple orchard and, and uh, you know, that the, there's, there's, you know, there's beautiful apples up on the trees, but there's all these apples on the ground. Right. And I said, I said, what, you know, I asked the farmer or rancher, what, what are you, what are you doing with those? He said, I can't touch them because of food safety. I, you know, the government puts these restrictions on me that I can't, once it hits the ground, I can't, I can't do anything with it. I said, wow, what a, what a, what a waste. Right. So that's why I say it gets really complicated because sure. it, there's this, to me, this antiquated uh, system that's set up to the way it was instead of the way it is. And so to me, we've got to, we've got to kind of jump into understanding that. And, and again, all the way along the supply chain to understand waste. Um, 
you know, I, I think it was on the news this morning, they said that 15% of the food you buy at a grocery store ends up in the in the garbage or, or in the recycle, right? Because right. you never use it. You, even the humans go into a grocery store and they, oh, I think I, oh, great, I'll eat 20 apples. Well, you only eat five and then the rest of them go bad. So it's it's a big problem. And, 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 and again, I, I think to me, We've got to tap into it where where we think we can make a difference and then showcase it to the world so that everybody understands that they can make a difference. And for sure. And to me, again, it's all a lot of those little things that come together to make a big thing. Right. And yeah. so that that's that's my thinking on it. And, and again, as far as specifics, I mean, we you know, to me, um, uh, 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 durables as opposed to re or to um um, re, you know, recyclables Recyclable. or, yeah. or compostables is the better way to go. You know, we, we used to fight um, uh, China because you had to wash it and there was some, you know, the chemicals that were going into the ground because you were washing it and that sort of thing. But the chemical companies are starting to get that figured out. And, you know, and so now it makes to me, it makes sense to do uh, to do durables and to go that direction. But to me, again, as you get in deeper and deeper and deeper of this stuff, you got to make sure you understand what's going on when that when that plate's being made. You know how much right. energy is it, is it causing, and how much you know how much waste is in the in the manufacturing process. And you know, and so like I said, it's not it's not it's a big it's a big issue, right? But sure. again, I think you take off little bites. You know, it's not, like you said, it's not like boiling the ocean, right? We just take off these little cups of water and figure it out. And then all of a sudden things start to happen and you really start to, you know, dig into it. And, you know, I, I, I've been involved in it since, like I said, since probably before the, the Milan um, Expo, but, you know, it, it, there's, there's, there's a lot of smart people working on this stuff, right? I mean, mm -hmm. and, and the, you know, the, the car manufacturers, if you will, the Teslas of the world, they're starting to, you know, start to get it figured out, but still it's not perfect. It's not perfect, but people are, People are are concerned, and it's like I said, this new generation that's coming up is is really concerned about it, and and so as a food provider to them, we've got to be very very concerned about it, and we are. Sure. It's not yeah. like it's, we're just doing it for them; it's the right thing to do, right? Well, and you're measuring it, right? You're using your data to better understand it. That's right. I mean, you, you've got a pretty good track record with that, and I mean, I know you have in the past. I know you did some great work with it at Microsoft and whatnot, and I know that it's a big part of it um because we yeah, had to get more much, conscious about it yeah we were pretty much zero waste um to landfill at, at microsoft i think we got a couple of awards and you know whatnot and then same thing when i stepped into ford they were they were you know doing all kinds of things with with um zero waste and and they're they're the the, the process of making vehicles right they were on a big water uh, conservation kind of a thing. And it takes a lot of water to build a truck. <laughs> and so they yeah. were working on how they, and they have some goals out there to be able to build a truck, not using any water. Right. And so that, so that's the, I mean, those are the kinds of goals that I think are, are definitely out there. And, and you're right. Data, data is playing a role in it all because we're, you know, we're tracking it, but it's, it's complicated. Like I said, with the, yeah. with the, with the, um, you know, the, the supply chain and understanding carbon footprint along the way. I mean, the things that I was dealing with or the things that I was thinking about at Microsoft was, you know, and, and also part of the food transparency was blockchain um, tracking, if you will. But 
Blockchain tracking is, you know, if you put a QR code on a potato and you track it all the way through, you know, maybe, maybe it's relatively, you know, solid as to what the carbon footprint is right, on that. Right. But to me, and again, these smart people get this figured out. If you went down to the cell level of that potato and you followed the cell clear till the time the human eats it, now you've got a, a true you know, supply chain transparency and really understanding that, right? And I think we're going to get there. So then when I, when I put a number up on my screen that says the carbon footprint on this potato is X, you're going to know that that is the truth. And that's not just, you know, somebody's, some, some human's estimation about what the carbon footprint might be, right? Instead, right, right. Of it, it really is. So, you know, again, those are the kinds of things that from a data perspective, I think we're going to get to. And I'm, like I said, there's, there's some really smart people working on that kind of stuff. Well, and they need to be, and I'm glad to see it, right? Because I think it is a big issue. If you take a look, you know, in emerging technology, especially in the produce sector, you know, we've got companies like Hazel that are out there trying to find, reduce food waste. There's other companies that are out doing different stuff. So I think it's really important that we keep leaning into this. And, and I say this all the time, you know, we need to be talking about positive costs of food and reducing food waste and figuring out how to do it, I believe, is a positive cost of food. Right. Yeah. Packaging waste is figuring out is a positive cost of food. Now, granted, it may cost us something to figure it out. But if we don't invest in it, the backside return is terrible. Right. We're, we're not moving forward. We're moving backwards. And sometimes I think we have a tendency to not worry about moving backwards because we're worried about the money going forward. And that's deadly when it comes to our health and it's deadly when it comes to our food supply and it's yep. deadly when it comes to our planet. Yeah. And, and again, the more people we can get to start thinking like that, uh, the better off we're going to be. Right. I mean, it, it, to me, there's so many costs in, you know, in food that don't get, you know, I don't know, noticed or charged to the customer and they, and they don't get it right <laughs> and so yeah the more i think the louder we can be about that the better off we're going to be well you know yeah 100 and you know take a look at the data that's out from the usda they you know and i'm, I'm probably need to get fact checked but i'm pretty sure i'm going to be right is that of every dollar that comes you know that every dollar that passes through the farm system nine cents goes back to the farmer yeah. so that's a really interesting equation about positive cost of food where is it why is it etc um just shift gears a little bit um, and just ask kind of on a global scale, what do you see out there? I mean, I know we've talked about a whole myriad of different subjects and stuff, but what do you see that's working well globally, you know, for institutions and corporate dining, you know, outside of your scheme, what do you, you know, you see something out in the, out there that's like, wow, I really think this is really cool. Is there something out there that's kind of struck your fancy lately? Um. Well, and you could you could say no. It's kind of a crazy question. I don't care. You're not gonna hurt my feelings. But it, it is a crazy question, and I, and I, I truly haven't thought about it much. But but there is some cool stuff going on out there, and I mean, and it and it's interesting because it in my mind anyway, it's it's been caused by this pandemic. It's caused it's caused people to think differently because they have to. Right. Um, you know, when 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 the pandemic hit. Um, you know, a, a, I was at Ford and the, the, an engineering, 117 year old engineering company doesn't move fast. Decision-making is, takes a long time. And when COVID hit, you know, every, everything in a day or within hours shut down. They'd never right. heard of anything like that. And it was like this, it was like this, re, this, this panic that hit them. It's like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Right. Within two days, 
we we had shifted a you know car truck manufacturing plant into a ventilator manufacturing plant and from a food perspective we shifted our whole program to be able to produce free lunches for the workers that were building these ventilators right right that was a realization that they could make decisions faster right than they had in the past. And so I think it's those kinds of realizations that are, are starting to pop up and that we can do things different now. You know, even this Zoom meeting that we're on, right? I mean, yeah. who thunk that we would be doing this all the time? Right. And, you know, back before COVID, it, it was maybe, maybe some little, you know, uh, interesting person would throw this up and somebody would say, yeah, let's do it, you know, kind of thing or whatever. But now it's become a norm, right? So to me, the, the pandemic has caused us to, to kind of relook at a lot of different things and how we do that. And so I see that happening in the, you know, in the corporate food world. I mean, and, and, and understanding, you know, how we feed people, how we can feed people sustainably, how we can, mm -hmm. how we can meet their needs, both in the office and away from the office, right? And and how does that mix work? And how does that whole thing kind of fit together? You know, some companies, not LinkedIn or Ford or Microsoft, started to really, you know, they were they were looking at sending things home to their employees, you know? Right. Right. And again, one of the ideas that I thought about, again, I was working at Ford, it's a, it's a, it's a vehicle company i thought well why don't we why don't you know they were looking at autonomous vehicles and electric vehicles and all that and i said so why don't we why don't we put these meals in an autonomous vehicles and so then they can go all over the city sending food to our employees at their homes right and and showcase the product but also fill a need that was right at the time right and and so, I mean, it never gained legs, but it was still one of those things that that started to kind of shift in my head. And so, I, you know, I don't know if there's, I, you know, I, again, I'm trying to think of any real monumental things, but but I guess overall, the industry has really learned that the norm isn't necessarily the norm anymore. And, right. and okay, so now we got a clean slate. What are we going to do? What are we going to, what are we going to build? How are we going to build it? What are we going to, you know? And so that to me is as, you know, as a dreamer, I, that's great. I, I love that. I love stuff. it. No, I yeah. agree with you. I, I agree hundred percent. Thank you for answering the question. That was a little bit of an oddball one, but I thought based <laughs> upon where we were at, it's like, well, you know, what the hell I'm going to throw it on the table. Tell me really quick. And just, I know we touched on a little bit, you know, on, on crickets and bug larvae, some of these other things from an alternative food source. And I want to just go back to it really quick. What do you think of this whole plant-based thing going on right now? Uh, it's the future. It's, yeah. it's, it's the future. That's what our customers are demanding right now. And again, I think a lot of it has to do with, with the planet, right? I mean, and again, I talked about it, you know, yeah. from a water standpoint. Um, but yeah, I see it. I see it happening. Um, you know, it's it's going in crazy, crazy different ways. Um, you know, the I, I you know, I, I guess I have mixed emotions about some of the plant based products that are coming out. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what else besides pea protein is in them. Uh, yeah. and so I, I wonder what that's that effects going to have on the body. You know, I, I live with a vegetarian and she says, you know, are you trying to, are you trying to, you know, build a, a carrot into a 
burger and make it taste like a burger? Because I don't, right. care. I don't want burgers, right? Why not just cook me the carrot? And so I think maybe these are going to play out. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be a mass market like, <clears throat> you know, like Burger King, I think has Impossible Burger or whatever. Right. So this, it's playing to the masses, but that also to me has a purpose as well, because those people who were eating beef in the past are now going to be eating plant-based things. And, and I, and I think generally that's probably the right way to go. I think it's going to be a healthier, healthier uh, method, if you will. Right. Now, the, the cattle ranchers and the bison ranchers are not going to be happy with me on that one, but right. again, Buffy and Lola might be cool with it. You know, they're going <laughs> to chill out and keep making yeah. babies. They're probably going shit this way. This is a win-win for us. Yeah, it's, it's a good win-win. That's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so, but I think it's moderation, right? It's right. everything, everything plant-based and everything meat-based. It's, it's just, it's just, you know, working it into a, a, a moderation kind of a thing that's going to be, um, <clears throat> the thing of the future. And you know, sure, you, well, go, you go on ebbs and flows. So <clears throat> plant-based is really popular right now. And so everybody's going there. And like I say, I keep track of the college universities and I'm telling you, it's, it's driving everything that they do yeah. Um, yeah. in the world. So. Oh, you're right. And I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I think, you know, when you look at some of the different things that are out there right now, your point's valid about what are the health ramifications. When you take a look at some of the way some of this is made, you look at carbon footprint of some of this, it's a little bit sometimes off-putting. And, and I think it, but again, you got to get, you got to start somewhere to get somewhere. And so okay. hopefully that refines itself in some way. I don't necessarily know I'm a big fan of some of the cell cultured meat that they're working on that. I'm just having a hard time getting my head wrapped around that. Yeah. Um, the you know, I the, I really have mixed feelings about it, right? The thought of it <clears throat> is that, you know, it's it's real beef. It's 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 just a cell yeah. from, from a cow's ear or something, you know. <clears throat> but um, and so from a planet perspective, it probably has some benefit. I'm just not sure growing it in a petri dish is, you know, it, from a concept standpoint is yeah the right thing but uh, you know this, this is I'm where with you. things are going right but hey i tried crickets i've done a scorpion i've tried some different weird stuff so i mean i'm not i'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. but you're right it's just not like uh well maybe i don't know we'll see yeah, <laughs> more education just understand yeah 100 100 just a fast question how many what's the largest number of meals you think you've served in one singular day well uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, um, when I, I said, you know, I worked at Hewlett Packard and I fed Hewlett Packard and every year they had a company picnic and they had 10,000 people come to this company picnic. And, um, I had never in my mind at that point in my career ever thought about feeding 10,000 people. 10,000 people. <laughs> at one time, and then, and it was, it was side story. It was really interesting because HP is an engineering company. Right. The engineers were responsible for the stakes that we put out. Um, and so they had these big pits that they were doing and they put charcoal in them and they knew, they knew the exact BTO, BTUs of, heat that were coming off the, and, and they knew exactly when to, you know, strike the fire and all that. And, and, and I being in the food industry, it's like, I, they were not lighting the fire. They're not lighting the fire. And then, you know, I, I said, Hey, you know, we got 10,000 people coming up. Coming. Right? <laughs> yeah. 
they said, well, we got this under control, right? And boom, they, they knew it. They, they got their stopwatch out and they said, now. And they fired all those things and the stakes came out perfect and everybody got fed and was like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. But anyway. It's awesome. So, so that was, that was at that time, it was 10,000 people, you know, at Microsoft, you know, there's, I don't know, 40,000 people on the campus here in, in Redmond. And right. you know, so we were, we were serving, you know, I don't know, 35,000 meals a day. So, yeah, so, you know, it's all relative, I guess. And, and I, I, you know, I don't, I, I suppose, I, I don't even, I don't even know. I mean, there, I've never been to bigger events, I guess, than the 35. Sure. Right right? So I guess on a daily basis, that's what I was serving. And, I love and, it. Uh, you know, just keeping track of what was going on there. I mean, it works out to, I don't know, 10 million meals a year. So I, you know, it's just, it just, the numbers really add up when you're, when you have this amount of volume. Oh. For sure. Well, who's your so who's your most severe critic? You, your family, or your coworkers of, of your cooking? Yeah, you know, it's I think it's me. I, like I yeah, said, sure. I'm always interested in it, and and I I uh, I don't get too hung up on you know all the awards and all that kind of stuff that go along with it. It's more about okay, what are we going to do next? What's what's important? Right oh, what are what does my customers want? What are they you know? So so yeah, I think I'm probably the most the most critical of anything, and you know, I guess. Well, what's good, your yeah, which is good. What's your go-to recipe? You're, if you're cooking, if, you know, if Mark it's Saturday afternoon and Mark's getting fired up, and what do you what what's your go-to? I mean, because you know, I mean, is it toast? I mean, you got to be. I mean, you can boil water. I know you can do that. So well, like are, I said, I I live with a vegetarian, and so I I I I you know we're we're cooking. I don't know what I call real meals, right? I mean, it's it's potatoes, it's carrots, it's you know, and I I throw in. I throw in a piece of chicken every now and then, which she kind of cringes at, but, but I, you know, that's, that, that, that's, you know, it's not a, I don't know. It's not a big sushi. I mean, I've, I've eaten in a lot of Michelin star restaurants. So I've eaten in a I'm lot sure. of Burger Kings or whatever. Right. But, um, but you know, home, home cooked meals are always the best because you get them the way you want. 100%, right? 100% there, agree. There is really no recipe. You're just kind of throwing stuff in. Right. That's some of the best food is, is when you wing it. All right, let's have a little bit of fun. Let's get people to know you a little bit. I'll play a little trivia with you right now, a little TLC. You're playing for big cash and prizes still. Okay. No, I'm you're in. not. You're not. You're not at all. So, so well, I, I, what do you, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. I'm not, what do you want me to lie to you? <laughs> all right. Who's your Who's your favorite band? Oh, man. Uh, I, I'm a Beatles fan all the way. All I love the way. it. Great place yeah. to start. Yeah. So if you could trade, if you could trade living as someone for just one day, who would you swap with? uh jane goodall i gotta tell you i i know no bs that is the second answer to that question that i've gotten in the history of our tough conversations that is a by far that is a popular choice she's well, an amazing were, individual i uh i actually she did a talk at microsoft and i got to go to the green room with her and i struck up i i got to spend a half an hour with her and she's phenomenal she is absolutely phenomenal and and i ended up I ended up getting her personal email address. So we stayed wow. sort of in connection, but um, yeah, she's, she's, she's way out there. Phenomenal. I would, I would have her on my bucket list of people I could sit down and hang out with for 30 minutes and chat right. with. There's no two ways about it. So are you a charcoal or a gas guy on the barbecue? Oh, uh, well, I don't barbecue. So either one, of them, either one of them puts carbon into the atmosphere. So I'm, I'm more electric, I guess. There you go. That's a fair. Good answer. What's your, what's your favorite carbo? What's your favorite carbohydrate? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I, I, I guess, 
bread. <laughs> I, can't I go wrong bread. with good bread. Yeah, can't go it. wrong. So all your, all, all, your, all your world travels, what's your favorite city? Yeah, you know, I answer this in an interesting way. I, I have, I've traveled over, all over the world and I have really two favorite places. One is Seattle. I keep coming home and saying, this is the best place on the planet. We've got trees, we've got green, we've got water, we got weather that clears the air. We got, I, I sure. love Seattle, right? So that's my favorite spot and that's why I'm here. Um, I also spent some time in the Swiss Alps and I'm telling you, they're doing some really cool stuff there. And, and, I, and I like the way that, the way that it's, you know, it's, it's situated and, and I love the scenery and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, I don't know, Geneva, maybe, I guess would be the, uh, those are, those are great answers. You know, I, I am super appreciative a, of you taking the time to hang out today a little bit and, and to share, because I think your words are extremely impactful. And I think that what you're doing and what you're talking about and, you know, you're raising the bar out there, whether you want to believe it or not, you're raising the bar. And this conversation is going to raise the bar because I think this conversation is going to resonate with a lot of people that are going to look at their own businesses and the own things that they're doing and whether it's a retailer or a grower, whatever it might be, or a food manufacturer, and take a moment of pause and, and reflect a little bit upon what you shared. And, and, I, and I appreciate your transparency and your openness and your willingness to, you know, to pull the curtain back a little bit and share about your career because it's, it's incredibly impressive. So thank you for that. And I, I have, you know, one final question I want to throw at you. You know, you've had the good fortune of seeing the world and seeing the food world that's out there, um, you know, on a global scale. And it's very apparent that it has impacted you. So if you could change just one thing in the food world today, what would it be? Yeah, well, you know, we've been talking about it pretty much this whole time and it has to do with food waste. I mean, I, I, I'm just got this, this driving passion to, you know, and, and again, I, I think I, I picked it up in Milan when we were talking about feeding the planet um, right. in 2050 and, and there's, there's enough food on the planet to feed the people if we don't waste it. Right. And if it get if it's, if you can, to me, if you can grow it where it's consumed, um, there's enough food. And so let's, you know, let's focus in on that because you know, right. it just drives me crazy when you hear about people not having enough food to eat um, because there is, there's enough food on the planet. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. I love it. Uh, that's a great answer. And I agree with you 110%. We have to put the energy in to recognize that figuring out food waste is a positive cost of food. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, again, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your openness and sharing, and uh, it's been fantastic. I've learned a ton. You've made me, you've made me stop, pause, and think a little bit. Good. And uh, you know, guys like us that have a little bit of gray hair, that's a good thing when we stop, pause, and think a little bit. Oh yeah, no, we're there, baby. We're there. We've earned these. Remember these, these, these. We've earned right. them. You know, so I, I always say some of these are self-inflicted, and some of these I've learned from. Right. Yeah. So yeah. and I so I appreciate you, Mark, very, very much for stopping by and hanging out with us. It's been fantastic. And okay, thanks, every, th yeah. thanks, everybody, for being here. We appreciate you good. listening. Cool. Thanks, Mark. Okay. I really appreciate it. And then okay. uh, I'm coming up for wine and crickets. OK, let's do it. Done. Thanks, everybody. Bye now. Huge shout out to Mark for hanging out with us and sharing his journey, his adventure, and his path. I hope you enjoyed that. He's an incredible guy doing some incredible things. 
And he brought up some tough subjects. He brought up some things for cause a moment of pause and reflection, but to recognize that in order to get to the end game, we're going to have to work hard to get there. So thank you all for hanging out with us. Uh, we really do appreciate your support and your reviews and your liking and the comments and the emails. They mean a lot to us. Uh, don't forget to check us out on all our social media sites, uh, TLC underscore Todd LinkedIn. Hey, look, we're on LinkedIn. What the hell? Um, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Remember the audio version is available on every podcast site that it could possibly be on. Um, you know, rate, review, and subscribe. We really want to keep this thing going. We love these conversations because I think they're important and they're impactful. So your support makes that happen. So thanks everybody for being here. We really do appreciate it. Thanks to our sponsors for helping us out and getting this ball down the field. Uh, much love to you as well. Take care, everybody. Remember, go inspire somebody today. It's super important. Thanks, everybody. Be good. Talk soon.